Anybody in the room uh, ever prayed some silly prayers? Oh, you're so spiritual. You're so spiritual, you people. And they ever prayed really things that you think that was a bit strange? We're going to look today at uh, Paul's prayer. But it reminded me of one or two moments when I was a young lad of things that people used to pray, and then later on they thought, oh my goodness, that didn't sound good. There was a guy in the Brethren when I was a little boy, he was a missionary, and he was called Mr. Leg, and he was a bit unwell. And somebody in one of the churches stood up and prayed, Lord, we pray for our brother Leg, that very soon he'll get back on his feet. And then they suddenly thought, yeah, that's a bit of a strange prayer, yeah? Or how about this one? You know what an undertaker is, don't you? An undertaker. This guy said, Lord, we pray for our brother who's at death's door. Pull him through and undertake for him. And I could tell you loads more, but I won't tell you too many. But the point I'm making is this. We've all prayed things at times that we thought, what on earth am I rattling on about? Uh, I'm not really hitting the mark here. So we all can identify with this. But Paul has this amazing example for us of prayer, and it's in Ephesians 1. So if you want to turn to Ephesians 1, we are in the third part of our series, and it's a fantastic passage of the Word of God, and things that have been brought today already have really confirmed some things that God's put in my heart for us today. So verse 15 of Ephesians 1, it says this, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your, open the eyes, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above not a little bit above, not on a par, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. Listen to this description. Look at one another. Look at one another. Listen to this description. His body, the church, we are the fullness of him. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What a passage of scripture. You know, absolutely incredible. Today we're looking at pray for revelation. There's a few things I think God's put in my heart to encourage us with today to do with prayer. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, being persistent in prayer. Paul says, I have not stopped. That in itself is a challenge, not just for pastors 
for elders, but for all of us, life group leaders, but for all of us. I have not stopped. I unceasingly pray for you and pray for the churches that God's given me responsibility. For the whole body of Christ, in fact, I pray for you. I don't stop. There's something about this guy. He's just persistent. He won't let go. He's like a dog with a bone. He won't let go. He constantly does this. But you know something? He says that he is uh, not stopped remembering them in, in his prayers, but he says he does it with thanks. I think that's a challenge. When you think of over the years, maybe the most difficult brothers and sisters you've met, and you just find that a wee bit tricky to get on, and that happens, it's, it's stuff, it's life. Paul prays for all of them with thanks. He looks for the best in people. He looks for the things he can give thanks to God for. He doesn't go, oh, bless Harry. He's a pain in the butt, but bless him anyway. No, no. He looks for the best in Brother Harry. He says, Lord, bless him. Come and do a mighty work in him. Continue to shape him and mold him. And he says in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, I keep on asking. Come on, brothers and sisters. I'm challenging my own heart. Are we half-hearted? Or are we into this? Do we really believe that prayer works? Do we really believe that we have a Father in heaven we've been worshipping today who heals our prayers when we cry out to him and he answers our prayers? Do we believe this or do we just turn to him when life's tough? Every single day we can keep asking. Not because we, 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 we just see it as an exercise. Paul's not, Paul's not saying, well, I've done prayers today. This man loves the church. He loves his brothers and sisters and he wants God's best for them. Listen to this. There was a great preacher called D.L. Moody who had 100 friends who didn't know Jesus. He prayed for them every day and when one of them became a Christian, he just ticked their name off the list. I don't think that means he didn't care, but he was just on a mission. By the time he died, 96 of those 100 had given their lives to Jesus. And at his funeral, the final four also became Christians. D.L. Moody certainly set the bar high with his 100 friends. But just imagine if every Christian in this country prayed for just five of their friends who don't yet know Jesus. We've had who's year one? Absolutely. Pray for year one. Pray for year five. Believe God for year 10. Believe God for year 50. D.L. Moody believed God sustaining prayer every, regularly, most, probably most days. He cried out to God to have mercy on his 100 friends. And can you believe it? The guy goes to glory to be with Christ and the final four come to faith on the day of his, of, of, of his, of his funeral. How amazing is that? Secondly, Paul was focused in prayer. Now, I don't like this illustration, but I can't really argue with God because I think he gave me this one. Hear me carefully. I'm not advocating war, okay? But hear me carefully. What I saw in this was, anybody in the room who's in the army, help me out if I get this wrong. But what I saw was a rifle is something you use for accuracy. If you're a sniper, you have a target, you zoom in, you get the target and then boom, you hit the target. It's about accuracy. But I think I'm right in saying, correct me in if I'm wrong, but a machine gun can sometimes be something that people spray like this, yeah? And bullets can go all over the place. 
Sometimes they hit the target, sometimes they miss the target. And I felt the Lord say, for me and for us, sometimes we can pray like a machine gun. Lord, bless him, yes, bless his family. And we cover people. And sometimes, sometimes it's okay to pray widely. But this guy, on this occasion, it's like he uses a rifle. He hones it, he zooms in. He's ready for accuracy. He's going to pray a prayer that's accurate, a prayer that's going to hit the spot rather than just all over the place. And it says here, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you. He's got something in mind here. I know what I'm going to ask God to give you. I'm focused. I'm not just praying for your Auntie Betty's bunion on her bottom or his foot, whatever bunions are, feet, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You can pray for Auntie Betty's bunion. Nothing wrong with that. But, sorry, I wasn't meant to be too cheeky. But uh, you, can, you can pray. These things are important, and I'm not knocking it. But are you hearing my heart here? Boom, go for the target. What can, what can I pray for you today that would do you the most good? And this is what he says. He prays that, verse 17, that they would have the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he also prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. Now, when you think about our normal everyday prayers, we probably don't generally pray like that. So the challenge today is, let's pray for people's bunions. Let's pray for people to be healed. Let's pray. Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's go deeper. Let's go for the target. Let's hit the boom that will do them the greatest good. And as you'll see in a moment, you'll understand why he prayed for those things. It says that you would know him better. In the room want to know our father better. Yes, I want to know him better. I don't want to just know about him better. I want to really, really know him better. It becomes so intimate that I kind of get to know what his next move is. We're that close. Thirdly, he was expectant in prayer. Sometimes it can feel like we pray and we just kind of say, well, we'll leave it to God. Sometimes that's okay. That's what we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We say, Lord, we give it over to you. You do, your, your kingdom come, you do what you want to do. But when this guy prays this prayer for the Ephesian brothers and sisters, he's expectant that something will happen. And I've just said, shared with you that it says here that you may know him better. He wants every Ephesian to get to know God better. The Father, this is the Father we're talking about. And I teach lots of boys and girls who don't really, at school, who don't really know much about what it is to be fathered. And there's probably a potentially in this room, because we all have different stories, what does it look like to be fathered? And for various reasons, that has been damaged but we have this longing in our hearts, don't we? That we truly know him and let him in. Abba. I'll never forget a little boy who used to be in a previous church who they'd lived in Israel and he said to his dad, Abba. I remember that little boy saying, Abba. It's so affectionate. It means, it means father. That we would let him in where we've shoved another away. Let him in 
and get to know Him, the intimacy, the love, the warmth, the care, the compassion, the tenderness of our Father. And, and the challenge sometimes, sometimes my Father has to discipline me, not brutally, not cruelly, never with bad anger or aggression, but lovingly. If you care for sheep, you look after them. Sometimes you need to pull them in, even if you use the crook. You need to pull them in. I need to be pulled in sometimes. How about you? We need to be disciplined. So Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, I really want you to know our Father better. Because if you know our Father better, you'll understand what an amazing amount of stuff He wants to do in you and through you and for you. He also prays that they would have enlightened hearts to various things. He says, I want your hearts to be, the eyes of your hearts to be opened, that you would understand the hope that he's called you to. He's called you to hope. Paul says in Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but I want to overflow with hope. Um, what does that mean? It means in every situation, as we get to know the Father better, our confidence is in Him. So even when it's rough, even when it's tough, or any other time, we have this hope within us. He's, he's for me. He's never against me. I can trust Him. He'll bring me through. Now listen, brothers and sisters, He will bring us through ultimately to the blessed hope that Paul says when the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, the blessed hope is he'll gather his saints, he'll gather his people to himself. What a glorious day. What a glorious day to come. What a blessed hope every believer has in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is just, a, we're just kind of getting going here. We're going to be eternity with him. It's going to be incredible, the blessed hope. But even in the midst of pain and sorrow and difficulty and persecution and suffering against us, there is great hope because our confidence is anchored in a God, our Father, who loves us, who cares for us, who will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. Great hope. The Christian has great hope. And people in the world, the saddest thing is, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, how can I say it to you lovingly? The Bible says you've got no hope. Your confidence is put in stuff that doesn't last. Your confidence is put in a whole range of things. But if your confidence is not grounded in the solid rock that's Jesus Christ, then you've got no hope. You've got no hope really at the moment, and you've certainly got no hope for eternity. So I plead with you, if I do, if I plead with you one thing today, if you don't know Jesus yet, today get right with them. Because I want you to experience the hope that every believer can have. Not just in the next life, but in the present life here. I want you to listen to this story. It says that our hearts would be enlightened to know the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Forgive me, particularly closer friends, if you've heard this story before, but... I desperately wanted to find this story and I looked through a couple of my books and I couldn't find it and I searched on Google, I still couldn't get it and I tried again with a different search. Thank you, Jesus! Off it came. I found this story. Somebody put it on the internet. Praise God for the good things in the internet. Here it is. There's a story of a family who were immigrating from Europe to the US and they saved and saved and saved their money 
and they were going to take a cruise ship from Europe to the US for the immigration. In addition to saving their money, they brought a lot of snacks and food with them on the cruise ship. They brought cheese and crackers, grammar, and things they, could, things they knew could sustain them on the cruise. Every night they would hear people going to the dining hall and celebrating and being excited. The family was kind of discouraged. We don't have money to go to the dining hall, so we're just going to keep eating our cheese and crackers. Until the last night, the father said, you know what? We're going to the US tomorrow. Let's celebrate by going and eating like everybody else. They got to the dining hall and began to eat, and he asked the waiter, so how much do I owe you for the food? He answered, you got it. Well, the food is free. It's included. It's part of the cruise. The family had been denying themselves and eating only cheese and crackers the entire time throughout the cruise when the food was always available and already paid for. Oof, I wonder how many times with God we have everything we need available to us, but we choose to eat cheese and crackers because we don't open our eyes and recognize what God has already provided. Brothers and sisters, from every fiber of my being, stop living on cheese and crackers. I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about stop living like a spiritual pauper. You have been made rich in Christ Jesus. Something God has done in you to change you, to transform you, to make you. You are the most powerful people in this city because the Spirit of God dwells in you. You've got power that people outside of Jesus Christ don't have. So there's power. These guys were eating cheese and crackers for the whole journey, sailing from Europe to America. And I do this sometimes, and we do this. We live on cheese and crackers. Our inheritance is rich. God has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's yours. Come on. If I was in a black majority church, I would be shouting, can someone give me an amen or a hallelujah? Yeah, thank you very much. That's more like it. My goodness, that's the greatest news ever, isn't it? We have been made rich in him. That means there is nothing that he cannot or will not do to help you and me to reach our destiny, to reach our purpose while we're here. Because he's got everything in his back. He's got everything at the table that we need. Come and feast. Come and rejoice in him. How much he's done for us. And also he says, I want your eyes to be open to his incomparably great power for us who believe. I'm going to say something about my own self and about you guys. I don't think most of us really, really grasp how much power is living in us. I don't think we get that. Because out of my mouth and out of our mouths at times come words that express doubt whether God's actually going to be able to help us. Paul says, the reason why I want the Holy Spirit to come in power upon you with wisdom and revelation is so that your eyes get opened and you think, wow. Is that true? Such power is in me and available to me? Is that really true? And he says, when you get to know the Father better, you'll understand that power 
that's available. Get, get close to him. Get to know him better. The next thing is this. Paul is a man who's confident in prayer. He's confident. He doesn't come with, I wonder if God will do anything. This script, these scriptures tell us that that power is the same as the mighty strength that God the Father exerted when, first of all, verse 20, he raised Jesus from the dead. Hallelujah. Now, what kind of power is needed to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? I would suggest quite a fair bit. That's pretty, that sounds very British. Quite a fair bit, a fair bit. Yeah, a massive amount of power, massive power. But you know what? It gets even better. In verse 20, it also says that that power helped Jesus to be seated at the Father's right hand. Sometimes we emphasize, and rightly so, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. But you know something that's also vital? The Lord Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he ever, the Bible says, he ever lives to make intercession for us. That means that the Father's right hand, he's pleading our cause. He's our advocate, John says. He's, he's the top lawyer. He represents us before the Father. The Holy Spirit also does the same. This is incredible. You're the two most powerful advocates there stepping in for you when you need to go to the throne. They are our advocates before the Father. It gets even better, man. I mean, how, how excited can you get? Well, how excited can I get? Okay. <laughs> Verse 21 says that his power elevated Jesus far above all rule and authority, power and dominion forever. That means there is no demon in hell who can stop you accomplishing what God has called you to. But you've got to take the authority. You've been given authority. You've got to stand in that authority and say, you will not stop me. I cast you out. Get lost. Get going in Jesus' name. God's got a destiny for me. God's got a plan for me. No demon in hell, no opposition could stop you and me from accomplishing all that God has for us because that power is available and Jesus is far above all rule and authority. No disrespect. I will honor as I'm called to do. I will honor and respect the king, our king, I'll do that because that's a godly thing to do. But the comparison is miles, miles. Not because it's Charles. In any great king or queen, miles. We're talking about the king of all kings. His power is above every power. Every king that's an evil king or a bad king or a cruel king, he is above them all. He is the sovereign Lord. That every knee one day will bow before him. Every king, every queen, they'll bow before him. He is so other. He's so mighty and awesome. And yet he is our king and he lives in us by his Holy Spirit. Come on. If you think, can I get by? Listen, can I deal with a situation? And I'm in a bad relationship Yes, because if the power of God lives in you, you can deal with the situation and you can trust God to bring a way out. Why can't I get a job? 
you can trust God to provide you with a job. Now, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it's easy. I know it's tough. But listen, the focus for this man and his prayer, the focus is not on my circumstances and how difficult they are. The focus is on how great he is and how awesome he is. And he can do abundantly more than I ask or imagine. That's where the focus is. So whatever situation you're going through today, brothers and sisters, listen carefully. As pastors and those who are life group leaders and others, we love you, we care for you, we'll help you through, and I'm sure you'll help us through. But we're not going to stay in the place where we say, I don't think I can make any progress here. I don't think God can help me. No. The power that lives in you is the same power that raised him from the dead, seated him at the Father's right hand, gave him a name that's above every, every other name, whether it be cancer, leukemia, whether it be any other name, his name is above every other name. There's power in the name of Jesus. In Acts 3, Peter says, this man stands before you, jumping up and down, healed because of the power that's in the name of Jesus. That's how much power is in the name of Jesus. Our job is to exercise the power. That's it. We can sit all day in church and talk about, oh, Jesus is powerful. But our job's to step out in faith, start to pray for people, see what God will do. Not just in these four walls, although that's great. Just so you know, I find it hard sometimes too. I had a situation this past week at work. There's a guy in my department walking down the corridor in pain. And I've seen this before, and I've chickened out, backed off. I thought, I've got to go for this. I can't see my colleague continue to be suffering in pain, some sciatic problem. He can't sleep very well at night, and he's in, he's in pain. So I said to him, I'll not say the name, but um, I said to him, um, I don't know if you're skeptical or not, but how did you feel about if I prayed for you that the Lord would just come and heal you? He said, yeah, that's fair enough. I don't have any problem with that. I've tried just about everything else. Why not go for that? And I called in another teacher who's a believer, um, a Ghanaian brother, and um, we prayed for him. The power of God will come and touch him. Now, good thing is, it's a start. He said the next day he'd slept better than he had previously. So we'll press in, we'll keep praying. But you see, I need to, I need to tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not easy for me. I think some of you think he's a really enthusiastic guy. He just goes for it. Well, I am generally, but you need to know, it ain't easy. Okay, I have my moments where I go, mm, how many folk are in the room? <laughs> it, was, it was actually a day that was very quiet and there was no one around. I thought, let's go for this. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. You know why? Because I sometimes fail to remember the power that raised the Lord Jesus from the dead lives in me. That's not arrogant. That's confident. And I always tell my students, I don't want you to be arrogant, but I do want you to be confident. Arrogance is not a nice thing. Confidence is a good thing. Your confidence is in the Lord. But he says even more. He says that this power gave him the name above, above every other name. I want you to just stop for a moment and whatever nation you come from, think of all the great leaders, the great influencers, the movers and the shakers in all of our nations. Put them all together and they're still like that before him. 
His name is above every other name. The greatest queens and kings, the greatest prime ministers or presidents, the greatest reformers, you know, his name's way above, massively above. It was power that gave him that name. And listen to this, verse 22 says that the Father placed all things under his feet, under him. And then it says, the Father appointed him, Jesus, as head over everything. I don't know about you, but are you starting to get the message? <laughs> this power is quite something else. And it's this power that lives in you, Paul says, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus. Let me read this to you. I love this. It's from Romans 4. It's not on the screen. It says this about Abraham. Listen to this very carefully. Against all hope, Abraham in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Maybe I should just add here what's going on. His wife's very old. He's even older. Well, that's all we'll say, right? And God comes to them and says, you're going to have a son. Well, how can I put this delicately? She's beyond normal childbearing age, and I gotta watch what I say here. He's maybe not quite as capable as he once was, uh, maybe about 50, 60 years previously. He wasn't quite on top of his game in terms of uh, love making with his beautiful wife, which is a lovely thing. So, in the context of that, <laughs> God says to him, you're going to have a kid? No, come on. Actually, that's not what Abraham said. It says that Abraham, against all hope, he believed God. It says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, this is it, brothers and sisters, fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Hallelujah. Don't know about you, I want to be like that guy. Now, I'm not talking about the other part of the story when I get to 100, but I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking <laughs> I'm talking about this guy. He never wavered. He just kept believing God the whole way through. How great is that? I want to be like that. I want to believe God. I want to have a confidence that says, I know God will come through. I know God will do this. I know God is for us. We'll press on and we'll believe. And last thing is this. I don't know about you. You might think this sounds a very weird last point. He was ecstatic in prayer. Have you ever been, As I think, I think we've touched on it today, have you ever been in the presence of the Lord when you just feel like, I'm not sure I can control myself too much more here? Why do people take drugs? Various reasons, but some people take drugs, including ecstasy, to give them this buzz that takes them away beyond themselves. The fundamental reason why I'm going to tell you not to take drugs is because you don't need drugs. I'm talking about social drugs, okay? I'm not talking about medical drugs. So, you don't need to have social drugs to give you a buzz or to make you feel more lively about something. 
you have every blessing in Christ. You have power beyond what you can imagine. Listen, the people that I work with, the boys and girls that I teach, they need what I'm on. <laughs> they need. <laughs> I didn't plan that, but it's true. They need what I'm on. Right, that's true. When I'm on the joy of the Lord, when I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed son, there's everything at the table for me. Come on, I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. I've got power that's beyond your wildest dreams living in me by the Spirit of God. They need what I'm on. It's never the other way around. I don't need what they offer because what they offer is inferior. No disrespect, but it's inferior. They need what we're on. Listen to this. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head, listen to this, head over everything for the church. Why did God appoint him head over everything? Just so that he would enjoy that? No, it's, it's for the church. Jesus' desire is that everything that's been put under his feet, it would always be for the blessing of the church. That's you and me, but it gets even better. Paul describes the church, that's you and me, which is his body, the fullness of him. Wow. Who fills everything in every way. This got me, this got me thinking. We have many names. We're called the body of Christ. We're called the community of believers. You can call us, we could be called Christians. We could be called disciples of Christ. You can call us many things. But Paul says here, a definition of us that's staggering. He says, Redeemer family, along with other brothers and sisters across the earth, he says, you represent his that's a challenge because I know I can look at my life and think some days I don't. But together, let's spur one another on. Let's go for fullness. Let's go for representing him in the fullest way we possibly can. I've said this before. If you're struggling in the world with depression, okay, some medical help can be very useful, but you need to get amongst the people who help to get you through to joy. And those people should be the church. If you need healing, the place you should be running to, okay, I'm here, but I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying. I and others will go to A&E or whatever. That's fine. But listen, if you're sick, you should be able to come to the church and say, the power of God's here, let's see healing happen. As our dear brother led us in earlier, and so on. Everything we need is contained within this group of people and other believers in us. So why would people not want to come and receive? We need to demonstrate, don't we, this fullness. We need to show how full our lives are of him. It's almost like you make them, not deliberately, but it's almost like you're making them jealous. What has she got? Why is it she's gone through that and yet she's coming through to a place of joy and release and freedom? How come that's true for her? That's what the world should be saying. This guy over here, how come? He's just lost his job. He's believing God for a new one, but he's filled with joy beyond belief. Why? The guy's just lost his livelihood. Because the people of God have such power that's way beyond some days our wildest imaginations. 
I think I'm just about done. I think I've said what needs to be said today. But listen, brothers and sisters, what a prayer. Can anybody see what I mean now about the rifle? Can you see what I mean about accuracy? This guy, this guy's not just all over the place. That's okay sometimes. But he is, what do these believers need? What do I need to pray for them? Right on the target. This is what he prays, that you would know him better. That you would understand what he's done, the enormity of what he's done for you and me. And more than that, live in the good of it. I've said before, it's worth saying again, I think, it's like a treasure chest. Everything we need, God has given to us. But there are days when you have to go to the treasure chest and say, that's mine. You appropriate it. You make it yours. You don't just say, I've heard God is a healing God. That's wonderful. Appropriate it. Step and say, come on, will you pray for me? I'm believing God to step in power. Make it yours. So what I'm going to do, guys, if it's okay, I think today, I'd just love to pray this over the whole church before we come back to song worship. But also, if you do me one thing, do me one favor today. Every time Hugh or others say, would anybody like to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit? See, even if you feel up to here full, still respond. I tend to just go every time. <laughs> every single, I'm greedy. Anybody else greedy to experience more of the power of God? That's a good greediness. You're allowed to be greedy. You're allowed to say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. Seek me you'll find me. Yeah, hungering and thirsting after him. So maybe, guys, uh, when we worship as well, you know, I think it'd be good to pray if anybody wants to know a release of more of that power of God in evidence. Who's going to be bold and courageous and say, Al, I hear you. I know what's within me, but I want to make a difference. I want to transform my office. I want to transform my street. Today after service, we've got a little street party going on. Uh, I'm looking for people today, yeah? I'm looking for people today. Who wants to talk about Jesus? Who wants to tell me about things that are wrong? God, give me boldness to pray and offer to pray, yeah? And you can do the same, whatever it may be. So, shall we just um, pray this over the whole church? If, you, if you're up for this, do you want to just uh, maybe open your hands? I'm, I'm not going to pray anything weird. I'm going to pray what Paul prayed for the Ephesian brothers and sisters. Father God, I ask today, you, the God of the Lord Jesus, the glorious Father, may give to every believer here the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. I pray, Father, that the eyes of our hearts this day and this coming week and beyond would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you've called us that we know the riches of your glorious inheritance in your people and your incomparably great power for us who believe. We pray for this to be our experience, not just our head knowledge. I pray that it will affect us and transform us. And we just continue now. We'll be roomed for people to pray in a moment with you. But as we come to worship, Lord, would you come and flood us again? Come and flood us again with your Holy Spirit. And would you give us such courage, 
such boldness. I want to pray boldly right now, Lord. I want to pray on the back of Amarachi's prayer. Lord, would you just come in miracle power? We pray. Yeah, I just feel led to do this now. In the name of Jesus, we come against every sickness, every disease, every oppression of the enemy that has sought to prevent the purposes of God from being accomplished. We come against you in the name that's above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen, exalted, ascended, seated at the right hand, Son of God. We worship you and we thank you for your power. We just speak your release and your freedom and your healing into situations and bodies right and minds right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Let your power flow out from these brothers and sisters, from all of us this day and beyond, that schools, hospitals, police stations, social security offices, universities, and to the ends of the city and beyond would be transformed because we appropriate the power that lives within us. We pray for this to the glory of God and in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters, for listening so well.